Hello, I'm Heather Carter, founder of Relationship Rescue. It all begins with you. Today's topic is, do children make your marriage stronger? Well, I'm about to answer that. So I want you to sit back, grab a pen, let's take some notes. And at the end of this podcast, I'm going to let you know where you can grab some free resources. Okay, let's just get going right away. So let's, let me tell you the top three things that couples fight about, sex, money, and kids. So if your marriage changed when the kids came, you are not alone. So let's face it. Okay. A big reason you're not having sex anymore is because of the kids, right? Because, well, there's no quality time. The romance is gone. You're fighting over the chores. Because basically, you're sick of having no romance, sex, and quality time. Well, this is where the blame game starts. And everything that you used to ignore, you know, that bothered you about your spouse or the way things were done in the household, well, now those things are becoming a big pet peeve. And nobody is letting go of the things that they used to let go of. So your arguments are on repeat and neither of you will capitulate. Now, this is very interesting. The average couple argues 19 times a month and has sex on average either once a week, every other week, or maybe once a month. Now, so what does that mean? Let's look at that. What does that mean? That means that you are fighting with your spouse or partner more than you're having sex. Well, guess what? That's a problem. That is not the way your marriage, your relationship is supposed to be. See, sex is important. Connection is important. So I, w- I want to break this down a little bit. And I want to preface it with, um, you know, so I don't get any emails or, you know, anybody upset with me for saying, you, you know, Heather, you, you don't, don't call women out like that. I did what I'm about to explain to you. Okay. So know this, I am guilty of this. Many women have a hard time being a mother and a wife. We are very obviously maternal creatures and much of the same feelings that we feel, and I'm going to explain this more in detail very soon, um, when we fall in love, well, we feel those same things when we see our child. And it becomes very difficult for us to balance the marriage, the relationship, and being a mother. And I was guilty of this. So again, I am not calling out anybody in particular. It was very difficult for me. So now, but here's the problem. In order for modern marriage to work, well, we have to start prioritizing the marriage. Otherwise, the divorce is going to keep happening, divorces, and we're going to keep ripping families apart or worse. And this is even worse to me than, than divorce is staying in a loveless marriage, living, you know, with your roommate and, you know, what causes us to get divorced and what causes us to live, you know, in a loveless marriage or relationship with a roommate Sure, it, the 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 start of it is because there's no romance, there's no sex. The children, you know, are not making our marriage better. That whoever said that children make your marriage better was lying. It, it, it's I've never seen that happen. 
it connects you in the bit beginning, but then it starts to tear you apart. Um, so anyways, when we're, when we're going through all of this, then a lot of us, a lot of spouses, you know, one or the other men and the man or the woman, or, you know, they turn outside of their marriage and they have an affair, whether it's an emotional affair or a physical affair. So um, I'm going to treat, you know, this topic today, you know, as if, you know, if the, my listener, you are, you are in this position and that you're kind of in, in danger, in danger of either living as a divorce um, with, uh, with a divorce coming or living as a roommate with your partner or one of you is straying. So I want to, one thing that's going to help you understand about sex in the relationship is this, is women have sex when they feel emotionally connected. Men have sex to feel an emotional connection. So right there, we're at a crossroads because the the woman, the wife doesn't feel like she's emotionally connected to you. So she doesn't want to have sex. And then the, the husband doesn't feel he's, you know, he, he has no connection, but he feels that having sex is going to bring you you know, bring that connection back. Well, that so th those two things are polar opposites, right? Those feelings. So sex isn't going to happen. So where, where, where do we start? Where do we start? Well, I'm going to tell you where I start. I start from the beginning with my clients. And one thing that um, I teach them and tell them right away in, in, is it's not the kids per se, it's what I'm about to tell you. The kids just bring out all of the um, the, the the things that would eventually have gone wrong. Uh, bring them. It brings all of those issues present as soon as the child is born. So let's get going. See, um, I first have my clients tell me in very you know in detail about their marriage story. From the beginning, I need to know the story because I need to assess if I'm up against just some normal arguments and complaints and no sex and, and you know, and it's just kind of an easy, easy fix or if there's something much deeper going on. And here's the thing, 10 times out of 10 times, there's something much deeper going on. So I want to start here. What causes, let's talk about when you fall in love, because this is where we have to go back to in order for you to understand this. So what causes the rush of good feelings that we call romantic love? Well, study, scientists that study um, hormones and chemicals tell us that lovers, people that are you know just getting together, are literally high on drug drugs. So that substances, substances, that flood their bodies with a sense of well-being. So during this attraction phase of a relationship, the brain releases more dopamine, norepinephrine, and those are two of the body's neurotransmitters. Well, these chemicals, what do they do? Well, they help contribute to the rosy outlook on life, to that rapid pulse you feel when you see you know, your new lover, to the increased energy and a heightened sense of perception. Well, then guess what else is enhanced? Oxytocin. Well, what is oxytocin? It's another potent hormone that pro plays a role in many aspects of our lives, including, ready? Ready for this? Childbirth, nursing, orgasm, bonding of the mother and the child, and social connections between individuals. So your wife, your girlfriend, your partner, 
while she experiences all of these feelings because these hormones are being released when she meets you, guess what? Women experience this all over again when they meet their child and they continue to experience this while they're breastfeeding, you know, or, or if they're not breastfeeding, it still is the bonding of the mother and the child. Okay. So now let, let me move on. So during this phase, when you first meet your, your lover and you're, you know, in that, oh my gosh, everything feels amazing stage. Well, what do you want to do? You want to be together every moment of the day. And the, that's when the brain is also ramping up its production of endorphins and echoflins. Okay, well, those are natural narcotics that enhance the sense of security and comfort. So not only are you, uh, is, you know, in the beginning of this relationship, are you having all of these beautiful, wonderful hormonal, er, um, you know, surges that just gives you these wonderful feelings, but it's also happening when a woman gets, you know, gives birth to her child. So, so romantic love, as you can tell and see and hear me tell you, is an intense emotional experience. Very intense. I mean, we get heart palpitations, sweating, sleeplessness, and we have a, you know, a hard ability to concentrate because we're in love thinking about our lover. So the joy of falling in love is a part of us. It is a deep-seated belief that love will give us a chance to be nurtured once again and to re-experience the sense of connection with which we began our lives. And that began when we were born and what we experienced with our caregivers. So, you know, so the first of the four sentences that occur early in a relationship, now pay attention, guys, is this. I know we've just met, but somehow I feel like I already know you. I've said it, <laughs> okay? So for some unaccountable reason, people feel at ease with each other. So they feel a comfortable resonance as if they'd known each other for years. How interesting is that, right? We just, and we do. So then a little bit later, the second significant exchange of information happens. And this is when we say, even though we've only been seeing each other for a short time, I can't remember when I didn't know you. Uh, and they might've only met, you know, weeks or months ago, but it seems like, oh my gosh, we've been together for, you know, forever. And we call this the phenomenon of timelessness. Now, when the relationship has begun to ripen, the lovers, you know, we start to look into each other's eyes. And this is when we proclaim this third meaningful sentence. When I'm with you, I no longer feel alone. Now pay attention. I'm going to say that again. When I'm with you, I no longer feel alone. I feel whole. I feel complete. See, now being together is putting, you know, um, an end to the relentless search for connecting. And all of a sudden, we feel a sense of belonging. We feel safe. We feel loved and that we're a part of everything. And then finally, the fourth declaration is, you know, I love you so much. I can't live without you. And basically, we feel like literally we can't live without this person because we are experiencing the feelings behind these words. And basically, what's happened is this. Our subconscious mind has reconnected us to our past. So the reason we choose who we choose is, the per is that the person has traits similar to the, to the caregivers whom we experienced the connecting. So this is why, you know, we experience a sense of deja vu, a feeling of familiarity. On a subconscious level, we are connecting with people who raised us, okay? But only this time, we believe our most profound, most fundamental, most infantile yearnings are going to be satisfied. 
So what does that mean? That means that, you know, we felt these things with our caregivers, but they might not have actually been able to satisfy those feelings and what we wanted. So now we feel that, you know what, this person is going to satisfy those unmet needs within us. So they're going to, this person, our spouse, our, the person we're having the relationship is actually going to show up and be present. And we're not going to have to feel alone anymore and empty. How great is that, right? Well, we don't want to give that up. So then the second statement that says, I can't remember when I didn't know you is a testimony to the fact that romantic love is an old brain phenomenon. Okay. So when people fall in love, their own brain fuses the image of their partners with the images of their caregivers. So that to the subconscious, we're, you know, being in an intimate love relationship is very much like being an infant, an infant in the arms of our caregiver. So if we could observe ourselves at this, you know, juncture of the relationship, we would make a very interesting observation that we are actually taking a part in an instinctual bonding. And what does that process mimic? It mimics the way mothers bond with their babies. So now what happens? The babies come, the kids come, the mothers, the wives, all of a sudden are re-experiencing all of these feelings with their children and their maternal instincts are kicking in. And they're in our minds, we're like, you know, our spouse can go take care of themselves. This is our baby and we are bonding big time and we don't want to be interrupted. But unfortunately, it is interrupting the marriage. So let's go back to the to the couple part. Okay. I just want to keep showing you what happens. I need you to see the parallels here. So um so research suggests that you know this oxytocin is fueling that the behaviors of both partners. So this is this really adds to that illusion that we're going to be each other's surrogate parents by saying, I'm going to love you the way nobody ever has. And I remember feeling that that I was going to be loved by my partner like nobody ever has. And of course, we're going to be let down. And, you know, and here's the thing, when we're feeling this and we're saying this, we're ignoring the signs (laughs) within that person that we know are not good for us and that we know is not going to nurture, but we want that connection. We want to feel like we are loved, safe, and belong. So we ignore that part of them. We ignore the part we know isn't good for us. Okay, you with me? Because we got to, I want, I really want you to stick with me. So when someone says to you, when I'm with you, I feel whole, I feel complete. Well, they're basically acknowledging that they've unwittingly chosen, you know, you or someone who manifests the very parts of their being that were cut off in childhood. They have rediscovered their lost self. I have experienced this twice. All of my clients have experienced this in some way or another. So, the declarations that lovers and you know people in these relationships feel that they would die if their relationship were to end, it just reveals the fear that not being together would extinguish their sense of being loved. Well, you can't let that go, right? So then, you know what happens is you if you think it's going to end, the loneliness and the anxiety wells up inside of us, and then we no longer feel like we're one with the world. And on a deeper level, it's showing that we've unknowingly transferred, you know, the responsibility of our survival from our parents to our new partner. 
And so by attending to our, you know, the unmet childhood needs, our partners are going to become our allies in our struggle to experience safety and belonging, which guess what? And you know, this is essential for survival. And even on a deeper level, this, you know, this reveals the fear that if, you know, we were to part, we would no longer be connected and we would lose our sense of belonging in the world. Okay. So, so that, you know, so that's a lot of scary stuff, right? Well, so we, we get together, then we stay, we maybe get married or we just go, you know, habitate. Well, then the baby is born. Now, if you haven't seen the problems yet till the baby is born, now is when it's going to get difficult. The baby is not going to make the marriage stronger. This is when you start to see the cracks in your foundation because the mother now attaches and transfers all of the unmet needs, their safety and belonging onto the child. And even if they have a healthy attachment to the child and they don't have some, you know, unhealed past um, uh, parts of them, they're still experiencing everything I described earlier. So whether they're, uh, you know, a healthy, healed mother or not, they're still going to experience, you know, all of the hormones being released and, you know, the, the, the need for the human bond with your child. And, you know, and so what happens? Well, the husband, he bites the dust. <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh, but that's what happens. So this leaves the husband, guess where? Lonely, confused, angry, and massively resentful. And not against the child. Sometimes it is against the child. If you're dealing with a narcissistic a man, it's going to be resentment against the child and the wife. It'll be resentment against anybody that's taking, you know, um, attention away from him. But even in a normal, with a normal, healthy husband, they will become resentful understandable. Well, then guess what happens? Well, the wife is angry that the husband is being so selfish and wanting attention that she becomes resentful. And now we enter the power struggle. And this is where I, Heather Carter, enter the relationship. So what I've kind of often described myself as as a, a detective, okay? I have to get to the bottom of the issues, you know, which involves hearing the marriage story, all of it, as well as exploring, you know, the, the childhood of the, my client. Um, and then if I, if I'm not working with a couple and I'm only working with one person, I, I ask my, um, my client to tell me their partner's childhood story. It's important. Well, and then what happens is I put it all together and we come up, I come up with kind of a blueprint and, and where to go from there. So we're going to continue on this journey next week. Um, but I hope I answered your question that, no, children do not make your marriage stronger. And I hope you now can see why. And I also hope that you can understand that you are not alone in this struggle, that you're not the only person or marriage that has you know, faced this adversity and in, in, in where you're at. Can it be fixed? Absolutely, 100%. But what you want to do, and this is one thing I want people to understand, is you want to seek help when you're in the power struggle. Because once the power struggle is over, you, you go to despair. And when you get to despair, that's when it's too late.
So thanks for listening to Relationship Rescue, the podcast. Be sure to go to my website, www.heathercatherinecarter.com for show notes and free resources. And remember, I always offer a free 60-minute clarity call to see if I can help you. And if nothing else, I want to give you clarity so you can move forward. You can set that call up via my website or simply email me at Heather at heathercatherinecarter.com. And Catherine is with a C. I will be talking to you next week.